Howdy, Jay. West Texas Leeson here. I'm going to tell you about my friends at Flint Boot and Hat. They've been building hats since 1994 and repairing boots, I guess, since forever. My dog chewed up my ostrich boots. Jared and his guys replaced the heel, made them look new again, put new pulls on, and at a super affordable price, they've resold my boots, and they build great hats. Love these guys. Go check them out. 3035. 34th Street or Flint Boot and Hat Shop at Flint and 34th Street. See more at FlintHat.com. We're your best friends with the founder of the Lubbock County Militia. You get your own radio show. It's the other side of Texas with Jay Leeson. I took a double take out on the interstate when I saw her making Thanks for tuning in, and thanks for telling a friend that you hang out on the other side of Texas. Your host, Jay West Texas Leeson, across the way, little sister Lauren Huff, working the boards, pushing the buttons, making us do what we do. So much to get into as we start a new week here. So much to think about, to go back and forth about, and look, I was with... I was with my plumber at the end of last week, and I asked him what he made. They make a pretty good money, right? This guy's making six digits. Yeah. A lot of money. And then you go down to the university, and you ask, like, the biology researcher who's trying to figure out the entomology of bugs and the correlation to human evolution like maybe that makes some money and they're like no not really making like half what the plumber makes yeah and also get another degree on top of it so it's it's it makes you wonder why am i really going to college it's all new world order stuff and so i thought man i'm just gonna start being rude and asking people hey what's your job and how much you make I don't really think that that's like a rude question. Oh, I think it's rude to ask somebody how much they make. Well, if you don't don't know them. But the point is, I don't care anymore. I'm just going to start asking people because everything's turned upside down now. And the guy, like plumber's crack guy, is showing his crack like literally and figuratively and intentionally. Because guess what? He doesn't care. He's making more money than you are. He's rolling out to the lake. He's taken care of. Yep. And it's, uh, so I was thinking that maybe what we'll do as a research program here on the other side of Texas, just text in, we'll keep your information secret, we'll we'll read your text, but we won't, don't include your name, just stay anonymous, text in 806-745-5800, your job and what you make. And that's all you got to put on there. Now, you can go into more explanation if you want to, but your job and what you make. And I'm going to compile some results, and I'll probably put up a blog post about it. And if one or two of you don't have any problem going on record with your job and what you make, then maybe I can feature you in the blog there on the other side of Texas.com. But it's just staggering to me that, oh, go to school. It's like the longer you go to school... In some, well, I'll say many instances, the longer you go to school, the less you're going to make in the end. And that includes earnings that you aren't making while you're still in school. For that, for that doctorate or for that master's, the years that you were not wage earning years. Yeah. A little bit behind the cue ball. But it's just staggering. And I think especially where trade jobs matter. Those jobs are going to start paying more and more and more. And, uh, you know, it begins with tests. And let's just start there. It is Starpalooza at my house right now. Outright Starpalooza. Uh, Grace is in the fourth grade. She's got her star test. And I guess, like, whenever I was a kid, this was called the toss test. Two A's. Now it's the star test. Two A's. And I'm told by education specialist that what grace has taken now in the fourth grade is a lot harder than what we took in the fourth grade you know back in the 80s yeah apparently it's a lot more difficult kids are stressed out and i don't but i don't do the whole like 
wake up and there are balloons. And, like, I had a simple talk with Grace this morning. I said, the Latin derivative of the word confidence means indweltability and deity. Do you know what deity means? She says, does that mean God? I said, yes. Whenever you sit down, you just do the best you can do and know that that a higher, the higher being, the Lord God, has put within you the ability to endure this test. There are kids who have endured much more difficult things, and you aren't going to get a Slurpee on the way home, but you're going to sit down, and you're going to assert yourself here, and you're going to concentrate and focus. And that's not me being hardcore dad, but everything's just so like, oh, I'm so are sorry. Are you, you pro-state testing? I, there has to be a metric. I'm not saying I'm for, I think I think the way that we do it is pretty dumb. But at the end of the day, there has to be a metric. Yeah. Not everything, when everything is permissible, then there is nothing. And I've got a whole rant to do about that. Like this Mitt Romney thing and, you know, like I don't like this Jeffers guy in particular. Uh I don't think I would go to First Baptist Dallas. And people do and good on them. But for Mitt Romney, he's got so many different angles that he can he can go after this Jeffers guy who prayed to open the and I think the New York Times headline is essentially something that reads like Babylon B, uh, man who said that all Jews are going to hell prays it gives the invocation at the beginning of the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem. Everything's upside down. The plumber is making like a hundred and five, a hundred fifty. And here we are. Should I okay, become a plumber? So, yes, <laughs> you should. Or an electrician. But, okay, yeah. so Starpalooza. Let me get off Ronnie and get back to Starpalooza at my house. So, okay. Like, whenever I was your age, little sister, the mm-hmm. most bonker, like in my mid-20s and early 20s, I should say my early 20s, mm-hmm. the most bonker hours of the day were from 1 to 3 a.m. Like, if it's going to go down... It's going to go down then. And I was even, there's a story today. Like, this is every weekend. And this is another segment that we need to start. It's a show of alls, and we begin to really do what we do. We need to have, like, the Monday morning depot report, (laughs) depot district report out of Lubbock, Mm -hmm. and have some security officer who comes on and says the craziest thing he saw that weekend. Because it's always going down, and it goes down in the bonker hours, 1 to 3 a.m., Dateline Lubbock, KCBD, on Sunday, just after 2.30 a.m., officers were called down to Buddy Holly Avenue in reference to shots fired in the area. Shortly after officers arrived on the scene, they notified a gunshot victim had just arrived at UMC, University Medical Center. After questioning people, it appears... It appears two groups of people got into a fight at the 900 block of 18th Street. Once the fight was broken up, one group got into a vehicle to leave. Officers were told a person in the other group fired multiple shots in the vehicle. Okay, so that's that's like every weekend, something like that happens. Wow. But my point is 2.30 a.m. is when it happened. Now... That was like the hours of toga, 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 toga. But now the craziest hours of my life and all the star hustle that we're under right now at the Ponderosa is is from 5.30 to 7.30 a.m. Like that's wow. when, that those are the most bunker hours in my house for sure. And if somebody wants to pay, I don't care if it's a local group, a regional group, state, national, come on in. Come on into our house, just set everything up, be quiet, don't make me get up any earlier than I have to, and just roll footage. And uh, you'll see that, because it turns into, not Toga Toga, but Noah Noah, and not the man, but no, the answer being no. Like, when did the, like, now these guys are freedom fighters at 5.30 a.m. At 8 o'clock, 8.30, I just want to go to bed. At 5.30, they are amped up and ready to take on a holy war. And it's like the twins are, the, the twin boys are nine. And I had, the whole plan was to get Grace to school by 7.30 a.m. So everybody had to get to school by 7.30. But my boys, it's like the whole Paleolithic era could go by 
the whole thing could go by and they would still be looking for their other shoe. Like, that's all morning long. It's like still walking around like, hey, how did we transfer from the Ice Age to, like, stones in caves and cavemen? And you're still looking for your other Antigas! <laughs> but that's how that's how things roll. It just, and I, I'm proud of Grace because she's trying to do so well with this test. And, like, whenever I was a kid, I remember my senior year. I went to take the, it was either the SAT or the ACT, and I had no idea why I was there. I didn't understand what that test meant, mm -hmm. and uh, I got tired of taking it. My parents didn't go to college, and I was not prepared as the eldest for what I was getting into. Uh -huh. I knew I was going to go to South Plains and start off, and so I'm like, what is the deal with this test, and what am I doing, and... Uh, I swear, the science section, I got just just done, done in my head, and I did the first couple of questions in the science section, and I just filled C, the whole C column down, just C, all the way down, and I think that it was the ACT, because I made a 19. Yeah, that's the now, ACT. By the time I got done with college, I got really interested mm -hmm. in all sorts of things, Yeah, but it set in about seven years too late now with grace she's really upon herself and i'm glad for it but dude star test is just pandemonium it just we're gonna have to get up in the morning at 4 a.m like i may not even go to bed tonight just so we can be prepared in the morning for the hustle it's because what wound up happening was we couldn't get everybody in the car because the boys were like, I don't know where my shoe is, and where do we keep the toothbrush? And it's just, what are you doing? So they weren't ready, so Mom had to take Grace to school, and then I had to load Charlie up half naked, put him in his chair, put the twins in the truck, and then i take them to school. And then on the way to school, I see Mom flying back to the house, and I'm like, I have Charlie. <laughs> so then I had to pull back and take them to the house, too. Just, whoo! I know... I know a lot of parents are in the same boat, but it is something. Uh, we're going to play a game today. If you're just tuning in, what job you have and what you make, 806-745-5800. Going to do a little research here. Tell you about my friends at Flint Boot and Hat. They've been building hats since 1994 and repairing boots, I guess, since forever. My dog chewed up. My ostrich boots, Jared and his guys, replaced the heel, made them look new again, put new pulls on, and at a super affordable price, they've resold my boots, and they build great hats. Love these guys. Go check them out. 3035 34th Street or Flint Boot and Hat Shop at Flint and 34th Street. See more at FlintHat.com. Got Scott Braddock. Let's check a job what you make. We have a nurse, 75K, a general contractor, 212K, lawn boy, 5K. Now, whoa, is that 5K a month or a year? Because I may just just set the headset down and go be a lawn boy. That's, uh, that's something. Scott Braddock, quorumreport.com. He is the editor. Thank you, Scott Braddock, for coming in again on Monday. As always, and, you know, I'm happy to do whatever jobs. If it's 5K a month, look, I'll, I'll get out there with the hedge trimmer. I was, I was amazed. <laughs> Come on. My plumber and I are close enough, and yes. by close enough, I mean that I've given him enough money at this point. Yeah. I just said, hey, you mind tell me what you make? And I was mm -hmm. staggered. And uh, all these trades guys are making all this money, and everybody else is. Yeah, now he's a plumber who uh, is coming to your house and fixing things at the house. Is that right? Yes. Now, no. here, do you know? Do you know why he makes more than somebody who would work on new construction? Uh, I want to go down the tired union argument, but you tell me. No, no, it's interesting. Uh, so if somebody is uh, working as an independent guy and he's running around, he's fixing things, you know, at people's houses. What he does is when he gets to your house, he may be looking at something that, and I don't know what construction, what you know, what year your your house was, but you know, he might go to a house that was built in the '60s or the '70s or the '80s or whatever. When he shows up at your house, it's like a puzzle he's got to figure out and fix. And the things that are in your plumbing at your home, if it's an older home, uh, or if it's a newer home for that matter, but if it's old, older or newer home, and he's having a mix of those, he's having to figure out a different puzzle every time he shows up at that house. 
and then go back to the store and find the parts that'll work for that and then make it all work. But if somebody's working on new construction, it's just kind of like an assembly line. They're doing the same thing over and over. No, it got to be specialized. And you know how he knows that, because Braddock also runs ConstructionCitizen.com. So, uh, That's right. Mm-hmm. He, he Jack knows. of all trades, but if, if, they're, if they're doing five grand a month for Yard Boy, I'm giving all this up. Yeah, let's let's just go. That's pretty good. Uh, so yeah. let's get into the realm of Texas politics, away from the star test sure. and all the craziness at my house. Oh, yeah. Um, so early voting underway. There are give us what you think are the two biggest races in Texas that, and let me put this caveat, that mm-hmm. impact listeners in West Texas. Interesting way to put it. Um, you know, I think that the, uh, we can talk about the Democratic debate if you want, but I do think that the Democratic race matters right now just because of the conversation we're all having uh, about, uh, you know, what policies are important in Texas. I mean, the, the people in West Texas have to understand that the Republican in the race, Greg Abbott, number one, has more money in the bank, uh, you know, 40 million plus, will be approaching 50 million by November. He's got more money in the bank than the Republican National Committee. Uh, heavily favored to win, of course. He's the most popular uh, politician in the state. Uh, but uh, I think it does matter, uh, you know, as far as what policies are discussed going forward. Uh, you know, uh, Andrew White versus uh, Lupe Valdez. Uh, neither one probably has a shot uh, at winning, uh, but we're going to have a robust discussion about all sorts of things, including education, you know, whether it's public ed, school vouchers, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then, uh, you know, if you look down ballot, you've got uh, Texas House races. Um, around a lot of the state. I know that you don't have uh, any, uh, you know, left to be settled. Luckily, don't have any left to be settled. You came real close up there with that King King race, uh, but nothing left to be settled uh, in West Texas. Um, but uh, look, I mean, I, as far as any of the Texas House races, I don't think that any one of them uh, would be, uh, you know, as important for West Texas as they are just cumulatively, and I think that's true for the whole state. Um, you've got races playing out in Corsicana, down at San Antonio, DFW, and a few other places, um, and in those races, uh, most of them, except for one of them uh, in the Texas House, uh, you do have, uh, you know, the sort of empower Texans uh, candidates versus the, uh, what I call, just governing Republican uh, type of candidates uh, who want to be the nominees going into the fall, and of course, they are having discussions about some of those same uh, issues, you know, school vouchers and uh, public education infrastructure. Uh, sanctuary cities and all the rest. So uh, it all matters, and uh, I think moving forward, what will uh, really be the story is what kind of a body the Texas House is going into 2019 as the members decide exactly who the next speaker is going to be, what kind of speaker that's going to be without you know getting into the list of names of you know, potential speaker candidates. Uh, they do have the big decision in front of them because no matter who the governor is, and of course, again, it would probably be Greg Abbott, on almost no question, but... Uh, You've got Greg Abbott, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, and then you're going to have uh, a new speaker, and that person will either be the guy who, or guy or gal who goes along to get along with those two, or is a counterbalance when they're out of line. Let's go forward into the Democratic gubernatorial debate the other night, something that I don't know what ratings were. It was only on in the big cities, is my mm-hmm. understanding, a triangle. A couple big cities. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I'm going to switch over to gambling, baby. But uh, first, You're all about that. Yeah, I'm terrible. I don't even Okay, I'll get into that later. But <laughs> okay. what did you make, Lupe Valdez, Andrew White, Friday night? Mm-hmm. I mean, who, deci- was, who decided Friday night, first of all? Well, uh, that's clearly something that's decided by the front runner. Look, anytime you have somebody who is running behind the other person, that is the person, the, the person who's lagging behind is the one who's demanding debates, right? If you're the front runner, you don't really need to be on stage with the other person. In fact, all you can do is hurt yourself. Lupe Valdez is uh, the presumed front runner. She got mo- uh, more votes in the first round of voting, uh, and now that they're in a runoff, uh, Andrew White trying to, uh, you know, uh, come from behind and figure out how he can pull an upset here. Uh, I thought they both, uh, as far as Friday night, it's the night that nobody's going to watch, right? I mean, it would be hard enough to get people to watch a gubernatorial debate in Texas or any state for that matter if it was even on Monday or Tuesday night. But Friday night, people are going out, they're having fun, they're doing whatever. Um, uh, You know, in this age, I'm not sure it matters as much uh, anymore. It used to be that people would watch these things on television. It was on TV in Austin and San Antonio. It was streamed live on uh, some of the on one of the television stations 
uh, websites here out of Austin so people all around the world could watch it if they wanted to. Uh, I'm not sure that a whole lot of people did. Uh, but as far as watching something like that in real time, um, anymore, I don't know that uh, candidates get uh, all that much out of it. It may be that uh, what they really want to do is, you know, take individual YouTube clips and feature those on their social media. And, mm-hmm. you know, a guy like Andrew White can show off, well, here's the part where I really, you know, shined in the debate and Lupe Valdez can do the same. Um, as far as how they did, Valdez uh, acquitted herself pretty well on Friday night. Uh, she did uh, better than she has done uh, in some of these other events that we talked about last week on the program where, you know, she had gone in front of, uh, you know, various liberal groups and uh, did not do very well, you know, as the, uh, as the lesbian um, Latina going in front of an LGBT group and a Latino group and spoke live to them along with Andrew White. And then, you know, these groups that might have been uh, sort of warm to her candidacy uh, endorsed him instead. She seemed a lot better prepared than that on Friday. Uh, did decently, and uh, you know we'll see what happens going forward. Early voting underway, and in a couple of weeks here we'll know. Well, actually next week we'll know uh, who the nominee is going to be. So nothing really stuck out in terms of substance. Uh, in terms of substance, I mean they're not that far apart. Uh, it was interesting to see the uh, various pro-life groups, uh, including Joe Poyman's group, Texas Alliance for Life, come out and say that uh, Andrew White, who is personally pro-life, uh, Alliance for Life said that uh, he had been uh, sort of bullied into backing off his pro-life stance as a Democratic candidate. Uh, and to some degree, that's true. I mean, uh, you did have Andrew White uh, resign his elder position in the church that he belongs to, uh, and um, you know, continues to uh, he continues to make the argument that he's personally pro-life, but that won't uh, you know that wouldn't uh, dictate how he would uh, behave as governor. Uh, to most voters, that doesn't really fly with them. Most voters think that. Uh, and this is, you know, borne out by data. Voters think that, uh, you know, your personal beliefs uh, should inform the way that you govern. Uh, and, of course, uh, we certainly see a lot of evidence of that in Texas. But is it for them, though, Scott Braddock, like an Andrew White? Uh, let's let's just go across the aisle in, into Republican politics. Yeah. Whenever some Democrat sounds off and says, you know what, um, I'm all for this Republican, whoever that Republican is, uh, I'm all for them being the Speaker of the House. Does Andrew White look at pro-life groups and say, hey, guys, just keep it down? Can you just keep it down for now? I doubt it. Uh, I mean, first of all, those really are. I mean, they're technically nonprofit, but uh, those groups like Texas Alliance for Life and Texans for Life and Texas Right to Life, uh, it would, but, you know, among those groups, they certainly have serious disagreements about which politicians they favor, of course. Um, and a lot of that has to go with the, has to do with the funding that each of those groups receives and from where those funds come uh, come from. Uh, but um, those really those are groups that really play in Republican politics and not Democratic politics nearly yeah. as much. So you think that he's? I, I don't think that he could tell them to simmer down. Okay, all right. My point. Uh, could be wrong. Could be wrong. But here's the biggest deal of all. Technically nonpartisan. What does the man in Cleburne have to say? And by the man, I mean Jim Hogan, perennial, <laughs> yeah. perennial candidate for agriculture. What does he have to say? Who is he going to What did he tell you? That's what I want to hear. Is he, t- is he not telling you I will, what he's going to do? I will call him on air. I will, well, I'm going to give call him, call him up. Yeah, please, yeah, call him up. Please post the audio. As you know Jim you Hogan goes to those right <laughs> You pose the right question. Everyone wants to know. Who does Jim, I'm going to have to go to his porch, just drive over to Cleburne, and uh, ask him what he thinks. Please uh, get that done. So, that you have that, that, that fancy traveling microphone set up. This is perfect for that. We can do that. Put it on his porch. We will just say, hey, hey you mind if I just set the thermorest out here and sleep tonight? Yeah. <laughs> just don't let the chickens poke me in the eye. Hey, the Supreme Court has struck down a 1992 federal law that effectively prevented most states from legalizing sports betting, clearing up a legal gray area and opening a door for state governments to join in what has become a lucrative industry. I can see all sorts of outcomes from this, Scott Brannick. I can see all of a sudden, rather than sports broadcasters just kind of alluding to the line, like they'll have the line on the screen. On NFL games, NBA, and it'll be sponsored by, you know, some fantasy group or or something like this. Um, All sorts of repercussions, and we can talk from Vegas to offshore, but I want to go specifically into uh, Texas politics. People see this, the guy who's just waiting to throw his money 
at somebody in town, at uh, some entity set up in Texas, rather than trusting people that are like a time zone away, off a coast somewhere. Uh, how excited should that guy be right now? Is is gambling coming to Texas? Well, here's the way one friend put it today. He said that Vegas might be about to get the Amazon treatment. In other words, if you don't have to go there and you can just do it online, why would you travel all the way to the store? Yeah, uh, you know, the, the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act is what we're talking about, uh, struck down by the Supreme Court, uh, and basically says, yeah, to, states can go ahead and uh, make uh, sports betting legal. Um, I don't imagine this to move the needle much in Texas, but here's what I can tell you based on some of my sourcing. is The top Republican leaders in this state uh, who do fundraise from uh, at least one or two billionaires in this state who would really like to do um, you know, this business, who would like to be in the sports betting business, top Republicans have been saying to those folks, look, we, we can't do it for right now. Um, you know, we'll see what happens, uh, you know, with this case. And now that this case has been decided, they'll have to make some decisions. And we haven't fully reported this out yet, but, of course, we will at quorumreport.com. At some point, make sure you have a subscription. Uh, but the point is um, that, yeah, th this, this could be something where uh, there is some movement in this state. Now, the politics of it uh, are very difficult, of course. Governor Abbott uh, and others have said that, look, any expansion of gambling in this state is not welcome. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, if you look at what has happened with the horse racing tracks around the state where they wanted to, uh, number one, get some uh, bigger purses. There was, uh, you know, bigger payouts at the tracks. There was a, uh, a bill about that that died last session. Uh, you also had uh, a state representative from South Texas uh, who tried to uh, pass a bill that would have legalized those fantasy sports leagues uh, in the state and the mm -hmm. fantasy sports sites. Yeah. Um, but, no, that, uh, that didn't go anywhere either. Uh, and there was a non-binding opinion. Uh, from the Attorney General Ken Paxton in 16, uh, which deemed those fantasy sports leagues to be gambling. And, of course, that puts it right back to the comment from Abbott, which is that gambling expansion is not legal in this state. Uh, and any expansion of gambling, uh, you know, the interpretation has been uh, that uh, the, it would require a constitutional amendment to make that happen. Um, look, uh, the reality when it comes to gambling, sports betting, and, and let me just talk about um, casino gambling for a second because it's not exactly the same, but it, it is related. When uh, in, in 2013 there was a bill uh, that was heard in the Senate Business and Commerce Committee uh, in Austin that would have that would have created um, a licensing process for casinos in this state. There would have been destination casinos. So the casinos would have to be sort of away from the urban areas. Um, and uh, what happens with those bills? And by the way, that bill when it was heard. Just for perspective, in 2013, it was, there was a hearing on it. That was the first time that a hearing on casino gambling had ever been held in the Texas Senate in history. Okay, so that's how far that stuff has gotten. <laughs> not very far. It was not even voted on in the committee. Okay, so that's where we're at with, where, where we're at with it. Um, look, it, you, know, you hear all the arguments about uh, the religious right doesn't like casino gambling, and you hear you know arguments about... You know, the idea that um, casino gambling welcomes uh, uh, organized crime into your state and all that. Uh, and there is some truth to those uh, arguments, by the way. I mean, if you look at the history of Las Vegas, it is, uh, you know, uh, it, it's replete with those sorts of stories. Really interesting. Um, but here's the deal. If they're going to have casinos in this state, what the real question is about allocation of the licenses. Uh, and uh, there are billionaires in Houston and in Dallas and in other places who would like to be able to run casinos in this state. And by the way, to run a casino, you have to be a billionaire, not a millionaire. That's the kind of uh, capital you have to have to, mm -hmm. to even make the business model work. It takes um, money to and, win other people's money. Well, that's right. <laughs> um, and so if you're going to be doling out those licenses, let's say the bill would say, would say there can be six casinos in Texas. Well, that would mean that there would then be a fight among those billionaires about who can have the licenses. And no lawmaker from anywhere in this state particularly in the urban centers, no one wants to be on the wrong side of their billionaire, which is the real reason this stuff never moves in the legislature. So what I hear you saying is that it's my plumber who's going to eventually open and get a uh, gambling permit in Texas. It sounds like he's on the right track. Yeah, he's, uh, he's getting it. Uh, but the most immediate is what about sites? As you see it, you're not a lawyer. You just play one on the other side of Texas. But... 
as you see it right now, these websites that got shut down, these daily fantasy football websites, mm-hmm. very, very popular, running in oh. every segment in every football game, like DraftKings, FanDuel, oh, yes. mm-hmm. Ken Paxton said, no, that's gambling. Well, now I assume it's open game in Texas. They can come right back. We will see. Um, it, it's, uh, that's not clear. I, I would expect them to try to do that, but we'll see if anything happens. Uh, it, it, my uh, sense is that if there's any movement on this in the 2019 legislature, it would be to crack down on that, not to go the other way. By the way, what this basically says, this ruling says, is that it is a state's issue so that they, the states individually can deal with it. Okay. Well, Braddock on Texas. Uh, go check him out at Scott Braddock. On Twitter, quorumreport.com, that's where it's happening. Thank you, Scott Braddock. Pleasure's all mine, sir. Talk to you next week. All right. <laughs> Takes money to uh, get other people's money, and, and they're coming. Uh, it's going to just mark my words. just a matter of time. These fires up in the panhandle, I mean, you pay your money, you take your chances. And I'm not talking about gambling. I'm just talking about the classic man versus man, man versus nature uh, battles that everywhere, anywhere you live, there's going to be a problem and you've got to be prepared to deal with it. And if you're going to live in Jamaica or Puerto Rico, well, guess what? There's going to be a hurricane sooner or later. It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when, and it's going to come. And like all these videos of like lava erupting in like spewing out of the ground and it looks like something my daughter made on the computer all this lava yeah. spewing out of the ground in, in hawaii uh, this does not look like you know something from con air or what was the movie bruce willis and already went into space um come on it was uh aerosmith and uh Liv Tyler, that's what I do remember about that movie. Um, will you look at that? Yeah. Bruce Willis goes in with like his rough band group, and they save the world from a meteor coming into space. Um, but anyway, how did I get on that? Well, in Hawaii, you got to deal with volcanoes. Guess what? There's a reason why there are these mountains in the middle of the ocean, because they were volcanoes. Right. And Armageddon. Armageddon. <sighs> Yes. Man, I need to watch that soon with the kids. I'll tell the kids this is really happening in real life. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You think the star test was stressful? Uh, yeah, seriously. <laughs> How about planting this thing on a meteor? Uh, the panhandle wide open. Like, what we love about it is wide open spaces. But guess what? It's dry prairie land. Yeah. And it can just go up. And, look, I'm saying that because nobody's complaining, but it's just some facts that you have to live with and there are a lot of people who are i don't know exponentially more brave than i am who just go in and just face that stuff down and are are fighting those fires like i i'm even thinking about like in japan if you want to live on an island with a gazillion other people and you're gonna have to face facts like sars and things that can that's why they all walk around with masks because they know that Hey, once one of us gets sick, like a zillion, jillion yeah. other of us, uh, Manhattan, yeah. you're going to come across something. Anyhow. Um, Even in Dallas, in the airports and stuff. You wear a mask in the DFW airport? No, I don't, but I see plenty of people who do. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy, though? And I'm, I'm the least racist guy ever, but what's the deal with Asians in the mask? Yes. I don't know. I guess because they come from, I mean, if they're coming from, like... Thailand or is you it know, like a protection thing? Like I think so. I mean, like those places it, are so overpopulated that I mean, literally, they could have. They've seen people die. Yeah, probably. Huh. From you know, second world, third world illnesses and things like that. Second, what's a second world illness? Not America. <laughs> There's a lot of them. <laughs> 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 I'm going to throw some counties under the bus here in a minute. I've seen some second world. Uh, right here in Texas. Um, you ever been to Loving County? <laughs> uh-uh. Okay, so moving on. Now, right now in the Panhandle, 73,000 acres, uh, m- massive road closures, 
and it's even contributing, says Jamie Lozano of Avalanche Journal Media, creating severe thunderstorms. Now, I remember reading Worse Hard Time, and what people said to farmers then was, hey, what you want to do is you, uh, you'll plow up all your land, and then the wind will blow it all up into the atmosphere, yeah. and it'll start a thunderstorm. It's not, like, these are the guys who made those arguments who sold them snake oil in the years preceding, uh, out of the back of wagons. But, but I guess they sign off on it, they being the National Weather Service. Let me get to it. Emergency crews are still working to contain the Mallard Fire in Armstrong County that began last week by Monday afternoon. Uh, was only 20% contained with crews from the Texas A&M Forest Service and area fire department volunteers battling the blaze. The fire started last Wednesday and burned 20,000 acres by the next day. It's hot, dry, and windy. Where was this again? Uh, this is up, uh, up in Armstrong County, up in the Panhandle. So... It's rare. This is what I'm going to get to. The meteorologist with the National Weather Service, Amarillo, Aaron Ward, says it's rare to get a thunderstorm from that. That being that the blaze could contribute to weather conditions in which a cloud develops above the fire, triggering a severe thunderstorm. Ward said firefighters could see some relief as the fire has already used a lot of fuels in the area and a cold front making its way into the area will lower wind speeds. I guess by fuels, what they mean is plants, like, like things wildlife. That can fuel, yeah, things that can fuel the fire. Because it makes breathe. it sound like it stopped at Allsup's, loaded up on a few billion gallons of yeah. fuel, and then continued to roll. Right. Um, but it went down into the canyons. Firefighters could also... I'm always so amazed by, like, militaristic language, like stuff where people say things in a way like it's like a state of war, and you're like, whoa. Gosh, we're, welcome we're to the Huff household. My father's talked like that my entire life, my whole life. Everything, we are in a state of emergency at all times, <laughs> at all times. Regimented. Firefighters could see some relief in the form of rain, and I hope so, with the chance of thunderstorms increasing through tonight, according to the Weather Service. In the Panhandle, there was a 30% chance of thunderstorms overnight, Monday into Tuesday. Big nothing burger resulted, increasing to 40% on Tuesday and 50% on Tuesday night in Lubbock and around the South Plains. And by that, what they meant was the Cap Rock. There's a 30% chance of thunderstorms through tonight. I won't hold my breath, but I will commend all those brave souls out there fighting back the storms. You know, this drought is getting serious, and a lot of people, I begin to hear four numbers more and more, and it's 2011. Uh, 2011, guys begin to get pretty stressed about what this means. How do you grow cotton with this little precipitation, you know, it can be done, but how successfully and to what grade will you produce? And to answer those questions tomorrow here on this radio program, we will have Sean Holiday, the pride of La Mesa, Texas, who's like the head of everything cotton nationally. Uh, but down in La Mesa, he was featured, I believe it was today, in the, no, it was yesterday, in the Wall Street Journal, uh, the Wall Street Journal wrote a piece called Farmers Across High Plains Brace for Hard Times as Drought Bears Down. And they featured our friend Sean Holiday. He'll be with us tomorrow about 5.15 going into the second segment. And, you know, the 2011 thing, we'll ask him about that. And then what kind of water fluctuations you have. And you get into all the militaristic heat units and what that means and where and how you deal with that. And uh, if you're listening and you're like, well, I don't want to listen to cotton, well, guess what? You better, because if you're listening in Lubbock, Texas, within a 100-mile radius of you right now, that's a, that is a $5 billion annual e economic impact industry. So you do well to listen up there. Uh, get back into the text line here in a minute, see what our updates are. We're just going to play this game this week. It... Uh, 
it's going to have some pretty fantastic results, I'm sure. But uh, somebody who produces some results, uh, Blue Collar Bill. Blue Collar Bill, did you, did you cut your mullet? No, not yet. Not yet. I, I haven't gotten together with my hairdresser. It's like, this is a real Samson issue for me. I mean, you can't just go cut this thing off. Aren't you, no, well, are you going to lose all your awesomeness? Uh, I'm not going to cut my hair as short as a lot of guys wear it, but yeah, it, it, a bunch of this has got to go. Well, I mean, what is this? Is this like a midlife crisis thing or what? No, no, I've already been through the midlife crisis. What was your midlife crisis? Uh, wow. <laughs> you don't have to go through yeah. the whole vacuum bags. You know, yeah, there's, there's, there's some some things I'm gonna have to plead the fifth on. Um, you know, for for me it was it, it, it was it was it was really pretty rough. It really was because you, you you're trying to deal with the fact that your youth is slipping away and and define who you're gonna be as an older adult. Uh, and and you, uh, of course part of that is go recapture your youth. So. I went and bought a Harley Davidson. <laughs> yes. And that was, that was all? I mean, that was that was the rough part? Okay. Well, no, no, the, 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 the rough part was just the, uh, the, 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 the psychology. The, the, and it really didn't, for me, I think it lasted five or six years, Jay, until I turned 51. Okay. Well, I can hear that. Like, I'm sitting at 39, and I've said this. Little sister across the way, but you just begin to see things, and, and this is like whenever you're in the in the restroom in the morning, it's like, whoa, that's new, and then and then you walk across a tech campus, a campus in which I used to get some looks. I'm not saying I got a lot of head swivels from the ladies, but now I walk across the campus, nobody sees me. I'm just old girl on campus. Yeah, you, you, you get that. I mean, then you get the, the weird uh, nose hairs, ear hairs. Uh huh. Yep. You know, I I, I, I I can't explain it. It's 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 sad and tragic, but uh, I guess if you're fortunate, you get to go through it. Uh, Bill, I was just talking earlier and started off the show. My mind blown. The plumber making like 125, 150 a year. And then these academic wonks making like some of them are true believers in your life. Go after it, I understand. But making like sixty grand with all sorts of shingles up on the wall. Uh, what's the craziest number? Like with your friends, what's the craziest? What was the most counterintuitive income you ever heard from somebody that's quote unquote blue collar, working class? Uh, <laughs> Wow. I got a buddy who didn't finish high school, did a little time in the penitentiary, finally got out. Uh, no, he's an HVAC guy. Oh. Yeah, yeah, he, he does uh, he does a residential HVAC, and he's knocking down about 120 k a year with all the benefits and vacation and everything. Get it done. And this is without a high school diploma. I'm going to Lake Allen Henry. Ribeyes are on me. So yeah, and I, I've been preaching this one for years, uh, and, and as well as you know, like Mike Rowe and several other people. Electricians can't be found. Automotive technicians. I'd still be in that business had I had a good source for automotive technicians. A, a, a good automotive technician can write his own check. Yep, I believe. I Exactly. We got an issue right now with software. And now everybody just scratches. Nobody's making money on that except for the big dealers. But uh, it's not necessarily changing the spark at that point. It's yeah, all, all, all the trades are, 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 are real desperate right now for help, and they all pay top wages. And you know what, Bill? Here's another thing. I'm going to get around to the point here in a second. But what's crazy to me is that I hear people say, oh, you you got to get into tech, and you got to learn how to write code, and you got to get into programming. Well, what's going to happen when everybody's doing code and programming? Like, is that going to be the new Stripes job? Or, I mean... All, every, all of a sudden, we're going this huge influx of people that are just robots, and they're making like 40000 a year. 
Yeah. Right now, uh, on that tech side, my, my son just graduated, you know, with his degree in computer information systems. And right now, they're still growing great guns, and they're hiring a lot of these kids out of college making 70 to 80 grand a year. Yeah. But you're correct in the fact that the market will eventually saturate, and those guys will work for $30,000 a year, and, and the plumbers will be making 150 until such time as there is plumbers enough to go around. No. Uh, Bill, let me tell you this, speaking of blue collar, you work in the mail trucks. What is, tell me the most random thing you've found in a truck. The most random thing that you've been asked to haul. Well, I mean, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to stick with the uh, cremated remains. Wow! How did you know? Did you like drop it and a bunch of ashes came out the sides of the box? How did you know? <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. No, uh-huh. in a big, big cloud of gray dust. Oh no! No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Uh, they, 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 really they should have stuck with that. No, that would that would be horrible. That would be. Um, I'm sure that's happened at some point. Uh, they they come uh, individually containerized and, and labeled so that you know what it is. Wait, so people do just say, yeah, these are my my loved one's cremated remains. I'm shipping them across the country. Yeah, I'm, I, and, and I'm a little confused by it all because I've never well, done, like, mail-order cremation before. <laughs> If they die in a location away from their homes, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, but I mean, come on. Like, that's something that my my teenage kids would do to me. Like, oh, we ain't driving him to California. We're just going to FedEx him. And I, th- I think that's actually what happens in a lot of these cases, Jay, is it, it's a financial thing, and it's cheaper to cremate somebody than bury them, and it's probably cheaper to ship a cremated person but, than a but what about Carl hauling Gus down to the border? What about that? Where's the sacrifice, man? I don't know. Falling, I don't know. Your fallen loved one. All right. Well, everything else going okay, Bill? We're going to check out with you here in a second. Yeah, everything's good. I mean, we got the kid through his graduation, got through Mother's Day. Good on you. Good on uh, you. My, my son's best friend, a.k.a. my godson, he got married, and that was a beautiful wedding. And it, it was just a spectacular weekend. We're looking forward to some rain. And, you know, I, I just, I, I'm really feeling positive right now. I'm glad. I'm glad. You're positive, I'm positive. If you think it's yeah, going to rain, go. I'm going to go with you. And uh, we always Matt earns what he thinks. I'll leave you with this thought, Jay, and it's something to ponder, and it's something you might share with your kids. For anything good to happen in this world, first, there must be someone gullible enough to believe it. Okay. <laughs> I like the optimism, I think. Blue Collar Bill, have a good week. I'll see you, buddy. All right. Uh, let's... Let's go to quick break, come back, and we'll set up the rest of the week. Great shows ahead. Stick with us right here. OSTX. One night in Kansas City, after we played the show, shot train out as I stumbled home. So I hit behind the dumpster in an alley. Building owners and managers, sometimes you have good engineering, good equipment, and a good installing contractor, but your heating, ventilation, air conditioning system just doesn't work well. If this is your situation, call ND White Engineering. Using state-of-the-art methods and instrumentation, ND White Engineering can perform a survey of your building, pinpoint exactly what's going on, and provide detailed recommendations for correcting the problem. For more information, call 806-785-1370. Hey, Lubbock. Are you thinking about buying or selling a house? You can rely on Charity Leeson at Amy Tapp Realty to provide excellent full-service care from start to finish. Charity Leeson will work with integrity to find your perfect home, right on budget, with open and honest communication. Call to discuss options today at 806-370-7340. Again, that's 806-370-7340. And check out CharityLeeson.com and Charity Leeson Realtor on Facebook. Some Aaron Watson, like that guy. Saw him one time in Abilene. Oh yeah. Yep. I I'm gonna have to get 
Luckily, uh, the house wasn't very far away. Yeah. But did did see him. Hey, uh, Lubbock File Room. How about these guys? All those documents that you want to go away, they can make them go away, and they'll give you a certificate of destruction as well. Safe and secure document storage and shredding services to Lubbock and the surrounding area since 1992 for a free and hassle-free estimate. Check out LubbockFileRoom.com or give them a call at 806-744-7666. That's 744-7666. Tell them. Lisa sent you. Uh, tomorrow, Sean Holiday is going to join us. Cotton farmer extraordinaire. What uh, this drought means uh, to him and could mean to all of us. Ross Ramsey on Wednesday. Brandon Darby on Friday and lining up. A great guest for you on Thursday. Let you know once I've got some confirmation. Well, A&M, speaking of confirmation, I'm finishing a piece about the vet school and about the politics going on there. And I would really appreciate A&M. I'm a taxpaying citizen in Texas, and I deserve to know how many West Texas A&M graduates have applied to the doctoral veterinary medicine school at A&M. I want to know that because last year, State Senator Kelly Seliger told me that they took nine graduates all of a sudden last year. Nine. And we're trying to figure out how many did that the year before. And um, I don't know what I just said, but Siri just started repeating everything I was saying. On the <laughs> did I say Siri somehow in that? I think I said Seliger. Yeah. But maybe I didn't enunciate the G. Yeah. Uh, I have a piece up I want you to go check out. Uh, if you like some prairie populism, I applied some prairie, prairie populism to what's going on with Texas beer laws and Texas alcohol laws and how yeah, I set out and said, look, it's it's difficult to understand, but you got manufacturers, distributors, and retail guys and folks, I should say, and they're all supposed to be separate. It's called a three-tier law. And the intention in the 1930s was that, think of it in terms of the Simpsons, okay, mm-hmm. was that Mr. Burns couldn't buy Duff beer and then Moe's Tavern mm-hmm. and then franchise Moe's Tavern all over Texas and then exclusively distribute Duff beer. Right. That was the idea to stop monopolies. Now, they may be separate entities, but there's one tier. It's that middle, that middle tier, that second tier that is driving politics around Texas beer right now. And it's that Mr. Burns could only, he had to decide which of those three he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Manufacturing, distribution, or retail. He chose distribution. And now Burns is driving the show right now. Politically speaking, and I talk about that there. Other side of Texas, you can see the blog post. I think it's Texas Craft Brewers and the uh, Beer Industrial Complex. So, have you ever had a beer industrial complex? <laughs> okay. uh, that's going to close us out this edition. Thank you for tuning in again. And thank you so much for sharing these things with your friends, people who you mm. think may care about cotton or, or craft beer or uh, even what plumbers make and plumbers cracks, uh, anybody, just pass along to a friend, and it'll uh, it'll cost them what they pay for it. They're on our iTunes podcast, at Other Side of Texas on Facebook, Twitter, at OSTX Show, and OtherSideOfTexas.com. For now, i got to go home, got to get home, got above average dinner and great family waiting, and we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow on Other Side of Texas.